This is Remembering Yugoslavia, the show exploring the memory of a country that no longer exists. I'm your host, Peter Korchnak. Susan Sontag in On Photography wrote, Photographs are a way of imprisoning reality. One can't possess reality, one can possess images. One can't possess the present, but one can possess the past. This is the case for Olya Triashka Stefanovich and Dragana Jurišić, photographers born in former Yugoslavia who have claimed or reclaimed their past in that disappeared country, their memories of it, through their art. In other words, through photography they attempted to appropriate the thing photographed, as Susan Sontag would say. Olya was born in Novi Sad, now Serbia, Dragana in Slavonski Brod, now Croatia. They both captured or recaptured their disappeared homeland in photographs that speak of searching, of deep loss, of fragmentary memory, and, in a way, of closure. Dragana published her book of photographs, You, that's Y-U, The Lost Country, in 2015. Olya's Brotherhood and Unity came out last fall. Dragana lives in Dublin, Ireland. Olya lives in Bratislava, Slovakia. They both teach photography in their adopted cities and countries. And the recordings of both their stories came out in less than ideal audio quality. Perhaps the universe was telling me to get the stories from the photographs themselves. In today's episode of Remembering Yugoslavia, Photography of Yugoslavia's Memory. Before we get to it, a quick shout out. This episode, like all the past and upcoming episodes of Remembering Yugoslavia, is brought to you by you. Thank you to everyone who has signed up to support me and Remembering Yugoslavia on Patreon. Today I welcome new patrons Karlos, Nick and Tomislav. If you like the show and would like to support it with your hard-earned cash in 2021 and beyond, join these and other generous people at patreon.com slash rememberingyugoslavia. Bogdan Bogdanovic, Rebecca West and Little Eskimos also make an appearance. Because she lives in my homeland and her project is more recent, and her book still available for purchase, I will have Olya Triashka Stefanovic share her story first. Olya moved from Serbia to Slovakia's capital at the time I was halfway through my university studies. We overlapped in Bratislava for a few years, but never met. I was born in Yugoslavia in the late 70s. And then in 97, I decided to move after I finished my high school. After the breakup of Yugoslavia and all this situation that was going on in Serbia, I decided that I would like to live another life and to try something new because it was really hard to grow up in the country under the war. I ended up in Slovakia, in Bratislava, where I am still now. <laughs> it was not a bad decision. It was hard decision. It was close, but so far away from Serbia in the time. It was a very... A uh, very strange uh, situation also in political system here in the late 90s in Slovakia. But uh, I found it now very important for me that I also learned how it's to struggle for democracy in another country. And I'm happy that I came here and I'm still here. <laughs> I'm fluent in Slovak and uh, with Slovak I learned uh, Czech and I can understand Polish and uh, Vienna and Budapest and Prague are so close. So I f- really feel like a Central Eastern European uh, woman <laughs> now. How did you get into photography and teaching it at the college in Slovakia? Actually, I wanted to be photographer already in elementary school. Like in the last year of my elementary school, I started to talk to my parents that I want to have a photo camera and uh, that I want to take pictures and it's something really magical for me and still it is. And then uh, actually 
also the motivation to move from Serbia to have some goal in front of me, it was to study art and to study photography. And I learned that in Bratislava, there is Academy of Fine Arts and Design. And I started to study where I finished my bachelor and master degree and my doctoral studies. And now I teach there and uh, I'm uh, the head of the Department of Photography and New Media. <laughs> you're a photographer, but you're also an instructor and a head of an academic department. How do you find the time for your art? That is uh, actually very good when you are a teacher uh, in an academy and then you have this pedagogical uh, background that you have actually time for your art practice. I needed to have uh, adrenaline and to have uh, every day to be different. So in this way, uh, this work is uh, giving me that. And uh, also I have free time for my visual research and to be full-time artist not to be like weekend artists. That is important. We met on Instagram where I had discovered your work. How do you use Instagram as a photographer? I'm a visual artist uh, in the field of photography, so I'm a photographer and uh, uh, I'm making the visual researches uh, about the places and space around us and I'm uh, looking for the metaphors inside of the space and the connection with people, what is connection between actually a space and uh, and people. And then I'm very interested in, um, of course, in the architecture. It was kind of mine, the first place what I'm uh, dealing in my like everyday photography. It's uh, architecture, this modernistic architecture and socialistic architecture. Instagram is for me a great platform to make kind of my visual diary or or to put my sketches. So I'm not using Instagram like for uh, everyday images, but they're really sketches and uh, and my visual diary so people can introduce with my work on the Instagram. It's a lot of images and my thoughts about the places and how I I uh, I'm feeling in this moment. I now I feel really in the society, like I can feel really uh, this isolation and uh, what is happening now in the world and that we are closed and uh, with all this COVID uh, pandemic situation. So uh, everything is there on my Instagram and Instagram is just my name so people can find me. You explore your memories of Yugoslavia in your latest project, Brotherhood and Unity. How and why did it come about? It is my latest project. But actually, everything started seven years ago. I started to realize that uh, I didn't know who I am actually anymore. Who is Olya? And uh, I started to ask myself, uh, who am I? And from that question that I couldn't actually answer, because I was just 18 years when I came uh, to live in another country, all alone, without family. I was completely alone. I couldn't speak any word of Slovak or or I didn't know any people here. So it was really like going from the zero point, you know, to come somewhere. Yeah, so I actually realized that uh, I was born in Yugoslavia and raised there and my old childhood memories are there and all this uh, big country and then this uh, war, uh, war trauma and all the social and political issues that was a really big part in our lives. And then after... These 18 years when I was uh, when I came uh, to live here, I realized that I actually become a woman and you know like grown up in Slovakia by myself in another country under the different influences from another 
you know, cultural heritage than is from Balkans, for example. And I wanted to make uh, this research about my personal history and, and about my childhood. So uh, seven years ago, I started to work on the different chapters. So first chapter was about related race, uh, race of youth, Stafeta uh, Mladosti. And uh, so I made a small, like a small research where I started to make the journeys and traveling uh, back to the ex-Yugoslavia geographical place. I started with Slovenia and then I moved to Bosnia and to Croatia and I started to make contacts with uh, people and with my colleagues from academies or artist friends. So it was a really, a really good experience. And then I had another chapter where I was dealing just with this moment of myself growing up in Serbia under the dictatorship of Slobodan Milosevic. Uh, He was a really uh, bad politician and he ruined uh, our lives. So I started to make the project as if it never happened because I started to dealing with our history, but also what is happening now with the situation in Serbia and how are people dealing with the um, uh, 90s and how and what is uh, happening now in the society. Why Brotherhood and Unity, the slogan of Yugoslavia? Brotherhood and Unity was a slogan combining and putting together all different nations in the fight for freedom during the Second World War and based on which uh, Tito, a former uh, Yugoslavian president, uh, made uh, the country, Yugoslavia, combine all these different nations into the one. And also, in the same way, it is completely of uh, divergence of the of those uh, nations uh, in the former Yugoslavia in the 90s, when those nations started to fight against each other. And it was the biggest tragedy after the Second World War in the geographical place of Eastern Europe. So it was really hard to watch this um, war. So that's why I choose Brotherhood and Unity, because it, it is a really strong slogan and it describes all these layers, what we have in our history. So you assembled all these photographs in an eponymous exhibition and book. Well, actually, exhibition was supposed to be in March, but due to COVID, it was postponed. So in June, I opened in the City Gallery of Bratislava uh, my exhibition, Brotherhood and Unity, where I presented um, one part of this project. And then 11 of September, it was really um, strong date for the book launch. I uh, presented my uh, photography book, Brotherhood and Unity. It is photographic uh, essay, and uh, I combined in the book photography uh, with a short text, with the family archive photos, and, uh, for example, archive newspapers. The book is kind of divided into the two parts because I wanted to make the interdisciplinary book. I wanted to make the, the story about uh, myself, about my identity, about remembrance and forgetting, about brotherhood and unity. And I wanted to make uh, the book about the political situation in, and in changes in the Eastern Europe after 89, because now it's a 30 years after the fall of the Berlin Wall, and it's really important, especially for the Eastern Europe. So I wanted to see like where we are now. And uh, when I was preparing this, my essay, visual research, I made it into the three chapters. And I made the photo story. So you are going through the book and you are watching the first part is a childhood uh, stories 
So you see one little girl growing up in Yugoslavia, and all you can see all these different architecture, and you're going uh, more into the stories uh, where you come to the war and uh, with uh, these archive materials, and you're coming into the, the story. For someone born in the 70s, the first part of the book about your childhood coincides with Yugoslavia. What does Yugoslavia mean to you? It's really uh, my childhood. So uh, it means uh, all these um, essential uh, layers that I have in myself. It's coming from Yugoslavia. So all these senses, smells and uh, and food and uh, people and love and love and hate and everything. Also, it's for me the example of trauma. So it's it's kind of connecting with the trauma. What's in the rest of the book? Second chapter is the presence of the past where I'm dealing our connection or uh, how we are related to the history of the Second World War because I think that we forgot on that uh, and that is very bad because uh, of all those uh, people who fell or uh, fight for the freedom. So I made a, a huge um, a photography uh, essay about the monuments in uh, in the places of ex-Yugoslavia, different kind of monuments, but with the big, biggest uh, focus on the architect and the professor of architecture, really special and unique one, Bogdan Bogdanovic. That is the second chapter where I tell in the story about the history through the empty places around the monuments in ex-Yugoslavia. And the third chapter is Remembrance and Forgetting. And it tells a story about how, in a visual way, in a visual sense, uh, what we are forgetting and what we can remember and uh, what is the memory. So it is also uh, through the architecture and you can see the these leftovers of the war. And in all those uh, uh, chapters, I'm, I'm putting my words uh, into it. it. I don't know how to describe it, but it's kind of the way of the urban poetry or visual poetry. So it's not the essays, it's just my way of telling the emotions on the pages. And then the second part of the book, and it's also divided with a different paper. So I invited uh, four different authors to make the essay, to write the essay for me. The essay authors are well-known writers and scholars from Slovakia and the Czech Republic. And then in the end, you have a register uh, with all places uh, uh, that I'm mentioning in my photography essay, so with the name of architect and with the year when it was built. It can also, in the way, be kind of guide when you want to travel through the ex-Yugoslavia, so you can take my book and go around and then you can find the places. Olya's book Brotherhood and Unity is available for purchase directly from her at the Slovak National Gallery shop and at her website oljastefanovic.com. I've embedded some of the Brotherhood and Unity photos from Olya's Instagram in the episode blog post at rememberingyugoslavia.com slash podcast. Hi there, it's me, Peter Korchnak, the creator and producer of Remembering Yugoslavia, with a quick peek at the making of the podcast. I interview people across former Yugoslavia and beyond and spend a good amount of time and energy researching, writing, recording, and editing to bring you these stories, interviews, and analysis two to four times a month. It is your support that makes this reporting possible. Ensure I can cover the next important story and keep the memory of the country that no longer exists alive by following the example of my latest supporter on Patreon, Tomislav, who added this note to his pledge. Thank you, Peter, for your terrific work on exploring and documenting Yugoslavia as a country, idea, and a contemporary point of reference. 
I really enjoy your podcast and appreciate and thank you for the incredible time and effort you are putting into it. Please go to patreon.com slash rememberingyugoslavia and donate today. All right, back to the photographs. Dragana Jurišić is from Croatia and lives in Ireland. What you'll hear are excerpts from Dragana's online talk about the exhibition You, the Lost Country, held at the Malmö Gallery format in August and September. Dragana spoke to the world from Dublin, where she lives and teaches at Dublin City University. I am using these excerpts with her and Gallery Format's kind permission. I grew up in um, Slavonsky Brod. It's a small town on the border of Bosnia and Croatia, not so far from the Serbia border as well. So due to its geographical positioning, it was really uh, hammered during the war, the civil war in the early 90s. And I come also from a mixed family. My mother is Serbian Orthodox and my father is Croatian. I consider myself Yugoslav all my life. So it was very interesting in the 1990s when the Croatian proclaimed independence, they decided that this nationality doesn't exist anymore. They just kind of bureaucratically obliterated 1.5 million people. I remember the day actually when my father opened the door to the census keeper and they asked him like, what are you? And my dad said, well, I'm Croatian and I'm atheist. And they asked, what is your wife? And he said, like, uh, she's a Serbian Orthodox. And then they asked, what are your children? And my dad said, well, they're Yugoslavs. And the guy said, well, this can't be because Yugoslavia doesn't exist anymore. So they had an argument uh, about what, you know, what to put down on the, on the form. And in the end, my dad lost patience and he just shouted, like, can there be fucking Eskimos? And the guy said, okay, so he put myself and my brother down as Eskimos. Dragana left Croatia at about the same time Olya left Serbia in the late 90s. She ended up in Ireland, where a new friend introduced her to Rebecca West's 1941 book Black Lamb and Grey Falcon, A Journey Through Yugoslavia, which in turn ended up changing Dragana's life. An English woman, Rebecca West traveled to the then Kingdom of Yugoslavia in the late 1930s. After three trips, she wrote her magnum opus, some say a masterpiece, and what is still considered to be the most authoritative book of travel writing on that former country. Half a million words, or about 11-1200 pages, will do that. I was really attracted to this book because it was a vast memory repository of the country that does not exist anymore, my former country. So Rebecca West's descriptions of Yugoslavia, I found them so vivid and they were kind of almost photographic in nature. So when I was uh, in Ireland, late 90s, beginning of 2000s, I was kind of scrambling to find or to figure out what happened, what is my national identity. And I wanted to do something about it, but at that time I was a psychologist, I didn't really have tools to do it. So later on, I went and I studied photography and this book just kept reappearing and reappearing. And then I decided actually to use Rebecca West, Black Lamb and Grey Falcon as the map onto which base my travel. So uh, because this book is so vast, she tells you, you know, from the moment what, when she gets up, what she does every day. So I started my journey 75 years to a day 
when she started her journey and I followed it ritualistically. You know, I would get up at the same time, go to the same places. If I had money or if this place still existed, I tried to stay in the same places. It was kind of crazy to base my travel and photographic journey on itinerary of a writer because a writer can come to any place and maybe have a look for five minutes and then sit down somewhere and write pages and pages of material. But I needed kind of structure, so I needed to be really faithful to her itinerary, which was kind of maddening at some points because sometimes I would arrive in a place that was visually so fascinating and I wanted to stay there for days and explore but you know she would move off in a, like a couple of hours and then there were places like for example in Skopje in Macedonia where she stays for two weeks and after three days I was going like okay I would like to move on now from the beginning it was a disaster really because I thought like oh my god I'm going on a road trip I have some money I'm going to reconnect with my people I'm going back to a place where I'll be understood and it was a disaster. I don't think ever in my life I felt so lonely and so displaced, like neither here nor there. So I was constantly feeling this kind of um, uprooted and it was difficult. And maybe only in the process of editing the book, I felt for the first time like, okay, now I know why I did it. Because actually doing it and dwelling on it for so long Maybe like Rebecca West, for five years of my life I gave to this. I realized that um, I was suddenly freed from the need of having a national identity. I felt really free in exile. I thought about things like how roots are very important for us humans. And it's like, we are not trees. Why are the roots important to us? Why are the people kind of... Uh, tying their identity to this kind of man-made structures, like national identity. And, you know, why should we attach our identities to this? Why not attempt to kind of find similarities and common structures between all of us? You know, why we don't concentrate more to learn about our true nature and maybe interconnectedness of everything and everyone? Dragana thinks of herself as an exile. I feel like, first of all, I was a refugee in my own country, which is funny, you know, like during the war in Yugoslavia, because we were burned out of our apartment and I was sent off to a school somewhere else. I was a refugee in, in Croatia. But, you know, to Ireland, I came not as a refugee. It, came, it was a kind of a willing exile. But willing is a kind of under quotation marks because I wasn't... That country I have left or my home didn't exist anymore. So there is nowhere to return to. So, yeah, exile is a very purposeful word that I use for myself. We are constantly in process. We are constantly changing. I'm a different person. I have a probably different body, different cells from a person in 2011 who started working on that project. My thoughts couldn't be still the same. I think that is something what is wonderful about exile. That's one thing that will stay with me forever, is that when you're in this state, you learn that nothing is safe, nothing is stable. Like this idea of looking for stability, I have given up. The photographs Dragana took on her travels appear in the now-sold-out book You, the Lost Country, published in 2015. Quoting Gallery Format. 
The book was originally conceived as a recreation of a homeland that was lost. It was a journey in which the artist would somehow draw a magical circle around the country that was once hers, and in doing so resurrect it, following Roland Barthes' assertion that photography is more akin to magic than to art. Instead, it turned out to be a journey of rejection. Her experience was one of displacement and a sense of exile that was stronger back home than in the foreign place where she had chosen to live. End quote. Why Olya has yet to see the response in former Yugoslavia to her hot off the presses book, the reaction to Dragana's volume was quite dramatic. When the book You the Lost Country was published, actually, I was not thinking anything of it. The photo book world is so tiny. Uh, I didn't really think that this book will get uh, any kind of publicity or get into hands of people who I maybe didn't intend to target. And um, I remember for some reason BBC World picked up on the book first. I was in New York at the time and I had an interview in the offices there. And uh, I just remember uh, coming out of the, the studio and as soon as I came out when the thing was aired, like the torrent of abuse that started. You, the Lost Country, is a very personal project. I'm not talking for everybody. I'm just talking about my personal experience of what happened to me. But as soon as the word uh, Yugoslavia is mentioned, you get incredible amount of abuse. And then it got even worse uh, when uh, The Guardian published the review of the book. Maybe three months after that happened, I met the writer Sean O'Hagan in Paris by chance. I never met him before. And I asked him, like, uh, it was interesting to me that uh, that was the only culture and art article that I didn't see the comment section underneath. And because I was really, like, curious at that time, because I was so green, like, what the people commented. And he said, oh, yeah, there was a comment section for about an hour. And then we switched it off. Like, you can't believe that something so small, what I thought, like, a small thing can really fire people so much. And then that continued, you know, that continued when I, the first articles came up in Croatia, like in Utrecht, Lease, and now I was already experienced. So I said to my father, please just buy the paper, do not go online. Of course, my dad went online and all this like horrendous abuse, you Serbian whore, you should be raped. My dad responded to everyone in the capital letters, defending my honor, which was really sweet and embarrassing at the same time. It's a puzzling um, situation that a word can be so explosive. Five years ago, when Dragana's book first came out, Yugo Nostalgia was a much hotter topic, so to speak, than it is today. I read a lot of Svetlana Boim when she writes about nostalgia, and she kind of goes into breaking down what the word means, and she kind of says the nostalgia is a kind of sentiment of a loss and displacement, but uh, also a romance with its own fantasy, basically. And she said you can only have nostalgic love that is uh, long distance. You need to be far to have this sense. But in Yugoslavia, this word is so loaded, even nostalgia. I don't know why this word suddenly became so dirty. I mean, there is nothing, as you said, wrong with nostalgia. I see nostalgia as a kind of an enemy to forgetting. I don't believe that memory is accurate. There is something very present in everyone's psyche, which is called optimism of memory and how we only remember good things about 
the places because that's a survival mechanism. That's how we get by from day to day. Neither Olya's nor Dragana's photographs elicit optimism. Even nostalgia isn't among the initial emotional responses to them. More than anything, to me what these photographs bring to mind is loss. Both photographers undertook their respective projects in order to figure out their identity, who they were, born and raised as they had been in a country that no longer exists, and living abroad as they do. All they could capture was vestiges that in some way or another match what's etched in their memory. A wild goose chase it ain't, but catching what they seek is impossible too. How do you retrieve what's lost in time? How do you document the fiction that's memory? People robbed of their past seem to make the most fervent picture takers, says Susan Sontag. If, as she claims, photographs furnish evidence, and if they are piece of the world, miniatures of reality, both Olya and Dragana essentially say the country truly existed, it wasn't just a dream. I exist, and my own life wasn't just a dream either. Sontag again. The photographer both loots and preserves, denounces and consecrates. As documents of the artifacts that remain in the physical world of the idea of brotherhood and unity, of the lost country, these photographs are but a proverbial tips of the iceberg. One that, in fact, isn't even there below the surface. Because how do you photograph something that no longer exists? How do you transfer memory to film, to words even? The answer is, of course, that you can't. But that doesn't mean you won't die trying. Next on Remembering Yugoslavia. Being alone in Bosnia, just in the middle of nowhere, you know, 1991, was a bad idea. This region has been so much written about. It's very difficult to say something else, something different. Post-Yugoslav travelogues focus on the 90s wars and their aftermath. But is that all there is to write about? In the next episode, travel writing about former Yugoslavia. Tune in wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to make sure you don't miss out. That's all for this episode of Remembering Yugoslavia. Thank you for listening. Find photos, transcript, and other resources mentioned in this episode at rememberingyugoslavia.com slash podcast. Outro music courtesy of Robert Petric. Additional music by No Sense, Pa, and Petar Alargic licensed under Creative Commons. Special thanks to Gallery Format. I am Petar Korchniak. Ciao.